Welcome back to another episode of Sustainlytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transaction that has hit the market and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is a curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Sabrina, who work in sales and business development across the Asia Pacific. Hi, Nick, and welcome to this episode. So what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month? Thank you, Sabrina, and good afternoon, good evening, and good morning to our latest set of uh, of listeners. Thanks for your support on the podcast, and very good to have you joining us, Sabrina, from sunny Hong Kong. So yes. <laughs> um, for all of our listeners, we'll have a few different voices appearing on the podcast over time, just to balance up my edgy Aussie accent. So I think that is a good thing. And hopefully, Sabrina and others can pronounce some of our customer names a little bit better than me. So I'll try my best. <laughs> Excellent. Great to have you on the podcast, Sabrina. So I guess let's just dive straight in. So a few things just to acknowledge and, and mention to the to the broader market, people have probably seen this. We have done over our thousand SPOs now for Sustainalytics. So it's been a long and winding road um, to that, but we're pretty proud of that achievement. So just wanted to give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back at the start of the podcast and a real shout out to our projects teams and, and really our customers banks, intermediaries and corporates that have supported us along the way and given us their their trust in terms of doing those opinions. So we look forward to getting to, I guess, what's the next one? 5,000, 10,000 maybe over time. So let's bring it on. Let's have a look at a few articles I noticed in relation to the market. I think pretty mixed conditions at the moment. And again, this podcast is not meant to be a financial advisory service of what's happening and outlook specifically in relation to bond yields and specific volumes. But as we know, the labelled bond and loan markets don't happen in isolation of everything that's happening in the bond, broader bond market, broader financial markets. So there's a, a bit of risk on, risk off, probably more risk on at the moment. Pretty mixed conditions. Be interesting to see how the Q2 volumes end up with a little bit of of softness there. But look, from an external reviewer perspective, we've still got a fair bit of work happening and we'd encourage potential issuers and borrowers to, you know, continue with that work on frameworks and other positioning work so that you've got all that done and you're ready for when the market comes around and and the timing windows or issuance windows may open a little bit more. And we notice a lot of conversations happening in emerging markets. So lots still going on, although the broader dynamics We'll see how that goes. In terms of um, mainstreaming, there was a little bit more about the ongoing mainstreaming of sustainable finance, which is good to see. The emerging markets theme is really good to see and certainly relevant as far as APAC goes. A couple of articles about blue carbon credits, which would be an interesting one, heavily focused on um, on the ocean. So we'll see how that, um, that sort of develops and integrates itself in some of these markets. The ongoing articles about potential, you know, greenwashing, more regulations to come around that, Europe sort of leading the way. So just snapshot updates running through here at the moment. A lot more talk about the the GBS or the green bond standard coming out of the EU expected to come out at some stage and regulations connected to that and regulation of ESG risk ratings. We'll see how that sort of goes and develops over time. 
Also, just the ongoing prevalence of impact, crunching impact numbers for bonds, loans, and then even doing that on a, what we call an a ex-ante basis before issuance is done, I think is something that we're going to see in the market a lot and something that Sustainalytics has developed a whole range of services to support. So get in touch if you want to talk about impact. The old chestnut argument about nuclear and gas seems to have taken the next level with the finalisation of some of those um, aspects into the EU respective um, legislations. But we do note that still gas and, and nuclear very much on the transition side about how all of that work through hangs together. So a little bit of an update on that. More regulatory stuff happening on the other side of the pond in relation to the SEC and what they're doing. They've come out with their guidance or proposed disclosure regime for corporates and scopes one, two, and three, emissions and all those sorts of things. Let's see how that continues. But a little bit of pushback from different organisations in the US, but like the EU's out front and regulations, America's are not too far behind that is good to see. Moving right along, the TNFD, Task Force for Nature-Based Financial Disclosures, have come up with another draft and looking at more specifically issues related to metrics for biodiversity. So check that out. The IFC's done a bit more work on that. The World Benchmark Alliance has done some more work on that as to how we should measure nature positive. So as we see net zero on the decarbonisation side of strategies for corporates, we'll start to see and hear a lot more about the word nature positive. How you measure that, how you crunch it, how you KPI it and target it, let's see. But more reference points coming there and we really want to see more of that come out in the market and biodiversity get connected to more KPIs and use of proceeds as far as sustainable finance goes, which is great. For all the bankers listening, GFANS, which I'm going to try and remember what that actually means, basically the alliance of banks and a lot of asset managers in terms of moving to net zero and driving and steering portfolios to be net zero and have financed emissions at net zero. GFANS released a whole lot of, I'd say, broad ways to approach decarbonizing a portfolio, so exclusion policies and kind of an integrated way of thinking, which I think is really useful. We see in the market, obviously, PCAF, PACTA, SBTI has a pretty developed methodology as well in terms of the real specifics. But in terms of a broader framework, this is really important for the banks, and I'd encourage everyone to check those documents out. A few hundred pages, but check out the headlines in terms of an approach, which I think is a really valuable contribution to the market. Okay, Jeepers, an absolute smorgasbord this month, Sabrina, for your first podcast, but I'll keep ploughing through all of the uh, all of the headlines here. <laughs> so the other thing that we wanted to spend a couple of minutes on was just in relation to the array of guidance that was provided from the ICMA Annual Green and Social Sustainability bond conference at the end of June, there was a whole range of really important guidance documents that came out to the market. So we'd encourage all our listeners to check that out. I'll give the two-minute sort of version and, and summary, but I think it's really positive guidance that's been released to the market. It shows that ICMA is encouraged, encouraging the market to be more granular, more sophisticated, take a real sector approach in mind, particularly for linked. So I think all of that guidance really supports that market being more nuanced, complicated, sophisticated and detailed. So I think that's really good. Pretty minor changes overall to the green bond and social bond principles, although the social bond principles 
in terms of asset selection, talk a little bit about incorporating environmental considerations and for green bond principles, talk about securitized instruments, secured instruments and covered bonds and a couple of other things about pure plays and different labeled bonds as well. So check out that. Nothing huge in terms of changes, but a bit more clarity on the structured side of things. There was a couple of other updates on guidance for you know indexes, guidance for external reviewers, a list of tools connected to the climate transition finance handbook sort of work that, that ICMA's got. Um, so I think that all leads to you know really positive support and guidance for the market. The impact reporting, we know impact's a crucial theme, important theme going forward, as we even mentioned earlier in the podcast, and there was a little bit more guidance given on a couple of new areas in green and social. Check that out. And probably the the most useful couple of things that I took away from trying to absorb that mountain of guidance, which is gray, was the KPI library that ICMA has listed for linked instruments. We see that a lot of that is solid. Some of it's a little bit um, questionable, but, but do check that out. It's a great reference and that's the key thing. We see that a lot of that can be applied to loans as um, as well. And in addition to that, some of the commentary around primary and secondary KPIs, I think, is a good development for the market to, to kind of look at in a common vocabulary to talk about the robustness of deals and the credibility of deals and different types of KPIs and different levels of, of robustness. The other thing, too, before we move on is the FAQs on the linked instruments, really, really great guidance in that and a lot of new points. So I would encourage all of our listeners to check that out issues around what happens if a baseline changes, looking at the quantum of penalties, looking at when you should set your targets over a five or 10 year period if you're in a um, looking at a bond, absolute versus intensity levels, issues, different tranches of bonds and how that works across a linked structure. So excellent, excellent guidance and we encourage everyone to, to look at that because there's plenty of good information in that. Okay, so a couple of more things before we wrap up the overall headlines. Ongoing work in terms of taxonomies, um, I guess changing gears slightly, we've talked about the EU taxonomy, we've talked about the direction of travel and the SEC in the US getting more disclosure from corporates, going deeper, standardising that. A few articles about the Australian ASFI, I think it's called, Sustainable Finance Initiative, looking at putting in place a taxonomy and starting work on that. So again, the important thing, having common infrastructure, or I should say architecture for taxonomies, there will be regional differences. So let's see how that goes. And a few other points over the month. We saw one thing, I'm a bit of a soccer fan, so there was a bit of talk about FIFA going uh, carbon neutral for their uh, upcoming World Cup, which will be interesting given it's in a pretty hot um, part of the uh, the world, similar to the Olympics. Check out those. And last but not least, in terms of the general mashup or roundup here, our friends at Climate Bonds Initiative have been extremely busy coming out with some excellent resources in the market. would encourage everyone to check those out. A paper on a report on ASEAN, the Hong Kong market, China market, some really great updates. So do check those out. Not enough time to go through those in detail. And yeah, a huge month overall. So that's on the broader side. And Sabrina, what about on the, the linked bond side? Any highlights, overall sort of direction of, of what we've seen um, that would be useful for our listeners? 
Yeah, definitely. So we've seen some new issuers and some old issuers on the SLB space this month. So just let me start off with a very familiar name that we have mentioned on our podcast for a couple of times already. And I believe in the last podcast, Marika also mentioned this name. It's the Italian manufacturer and distributor for gas and electricity, Enel Group. So they have launched a sustainability-linked share buyback program with KPI on scope one emission intensity reduction per kilowatt hour. So after that, we can see that um, also China Construction Bank also issued their first SLB since their first issuance of sustainable bonds since 2018. So their KPI tackles on scope three emission, which we're very happy to see that. It focuses on increasing the share of green loans. It advances to 11.5% or more of the total loans that Day advances by the end of 2024. And moving on to European issuances in the SLB space, Finnish packaging firm, um, I'm not so sure how, um, if I've, I'm pronouncing this name correctly, Hutamaki, they issued their debut SLB with two KPIs. And the first KPI is on the share of renewable electricity to 100% by 2030. And the second KPI is on scope one and scope two absolute greenhouse gas emission reduction by 2030. And on the energy sector, we have Lithuanian energy company G preparing to issue um, SLB and SLL after publishing their framework. So their framework also outlined two KPIs, the first one on absolute scope one and scope two carbon emission reduction, and the second one is to improve its reliability of electricity transmission by reducing the average amount of wasted energy between 2022 and 2026. So another energy name um, based in Switzerland called A XPO also issued its first sustainability-linked Schultzschein loan as well. And in the TMT sector, teleperformance in France linked its bond to reduction in scope 1, 2, and monitored scope 3 greenhouse gas emission. And finally, we have um, in the mining equipment name um, in Finland called Metso Otosek, their framework identifies three KPIs, the first one on reducing scope 1 and 2 carbon emission, second on increasing the share of suppliers signed up to SBTI, and the last KPI. KPI is on increasing its planet positive product revenue. So on the SLB issuance this month, quite happy to see a variety of issuers from different sectors that are issuing, as well as some interesting and innovative KPIs. But I think for the issuances that we're seeing, it will be good to see some more inclusions of scope three emission reduction targets in future deals. So, Nick, what have we been seeing on the sustainability-linked loan side of the market? Well, we're seeing a few things, and thanks for the great summary. Before, I think I just should hand over the whole podcast to yourself, Sabrina. Very, uh, very <laughs> comprehensive. We found uh, we found another news reader. We found another news uh, news anchor amongst the sustainability staff, but. Um, uh, no, excellent summary there. And I guess some of that momentum, diversification, 
newer industries coming to market has sort of proliferated as well on the on the link loan side. So both of these products, the fastest growing aspect and component of sustainable finance. So a couple of things to just highlight, a couple of agri slash commodity deals to start off with. We saw uh, Silver Firm Farms in New Zealand come up with a uh, with a link loan focusing on uh, scope one and two emissions and SBTI uh, aligned there, looking at some wastes and water initiatives as well and always the issue of scope three i guess can be considered on a case-by-case basis for some industries but great to see agri there we also saw a major commodities for for rubber entity uh helicon based i believe in singapore just down the road from where i normally sit in the office come out with um, with some targets and a, and a deal specifically for that sector which is good to see because many of the asean um, slash Asian economies have a big commodities focus and, and the more we can support those type of companies and commodities to be more sustainable, um, the better. Pirelli um, on the auto site went to market again. Um, Gunvor, which is a commodities commodities producer, I should say, back to the commodities theme I just mentioned, again, was one of the first entities that came out with a KPI-based um, link structure on the loan side a few years ago. So going to market again and real pioneers in that space. So it's good to see more commodities coming on. A couple of property deals for, for China Chem, part of their group, Enia Frasers, Norichuken, a whole range of property sort of centered deals. Sunlight REIT, sort of never ending for property, but that's great. Property contributes a lot of um, GHGs and uses a lot of energy, so it's an important sector we get right with demographics and, and urbanisation still ongoing in many markets, certainly in the Asian part of the world where me and Sabrina are based. A little bit on the IT theme as well, data centres, Edge Connects did a $1.7 billion, um, sustainability-linked financing, looking at waste and carbon, a little bit of water use, renewable energy usage as well, data centres, IT, telcos, continues to be a pretty fast-growing aspect. Uh, of the market. We've also seen more green shoots, shall we say, or sustainability link shoots is probably a better way to put it in the mining sector. So Anglo-America, we haven't detailed that deal as uh, as much did a sustainability link loan with IFC. So again, more um, positive things happening on the mining side. Harmony Gold also went to market. And again, some of these types of commodities, products, metals, you know, the precious ones, do we need all of that? how important are metals for the transition to low carbon economy those are all the issues to consider in those deals what else have we got here u.s steel company let's have a look there did a there's an asset backed sort of structure u.s steel so again harder to abate sectors mining and against the the mainstay of, of property deals interesting to see materials technology company element again 1.8 billion dollar link loan uk testing inspection firm so that's good to see gender diversity metrics and carbon intensity we also see a danish telco net company again look at um, ghgs look at gender across their business and again that just gives evidence further to the it telco streak that we're seeing across the market a couple of interesting ones too leo paper has been pretty active in these markets nagase and co in japan did a link loan focusing on scope one two and and three and also chol tai fuk i'm sure i've absolutely butchered that name and sabrina will be able to tell me a jewelry retailer in hong kong also did a bit of a, a linked type structure so we haven't got details on all of those but i think the more important message is the ongoing proliferation of, of sectors 
a few different types of KPIs and then more doubling down of some of those popular sectors, property uh, and telco. So pretty solid month overall. Yeah. Thank you, Nick, for sharing what we've been seeing in the SL market. So as per our usual segment, we'll move on to the Q&A part. So we'll answer questions from our listeners this month. So reminder to our listeners, please feel free to write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com for any sustainable finance related questions. So the first question we have from our listener, apart from science-based target initiatives, SBTI, what are the other tools or organizations or websites where we could reference to environment or social related sector specific information? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, Sabrina, maybe I should get you to answer that one for me. It's a bit tricky for me on a Friday <laughs> where we're recording, but um, a couple of references. So the first thing I'd say is ICMA has released a fantastic document which lists about 25 different tools and references for decarbonisation sort of levels and trajectories. So do check that out. As mentioned before, that was part of the extensive releases done at the end of June. In relation to the main ones, I'd say, yes, certainly SBTI as an overall reference and a sector reference, definitely look at that. We look at some of the ETP work, energy transition perspectives, papers that are a little bit older now from the IEA, but the updated positions IEA has on sectors as well. Transition Pathway Initiative or TPI is another excellent one. Plus the ACT Initiative based out of France has some really, really good sector approaches they're probably the main ones. And there's lots of other different types of tools coming to market. Like the CA100 Plus has some really good sector pieces. And then there's the industry bodies, IMO, ICAO, and those sorts of bodies that have some reference points. And, and of course, CBI has some pretty good information across their tools and their sort of criteria for different industries. So hopefully that answers the question for our listener. But check out the ICMA list if you want a super duper list which is uh, very long and lots of lots of good reading in there. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I'll for sure go check those website out. Pretty sure it will be very useful for our listeners when we want to know more sector-specific information. So let's move on to the next question. So basically, this question I've been asked a couple of times from different banks and corporates as well. So how do we actually apply the Climate Transition Finance Handbook? It's a good question, Sabrina, and certainly a variety of people have asked us that. So I'd say... There's a couple of situations where we intend and pretty much, let's call it, must use it. And there's a couple of situations where it can add to a transaction as best practice, but may not be overly mandatory from our perspective. So the first one would be when we're doing transition style deals on a use of proceeds basis for pretty much any company, they're generally being harder to abate sectors, steel, shipping, those sorts of things. We'll generally apply and do a section in our SPOs which address the strategy of a company and the way we assess that is through the Climate Transition Finance Handbook, the four quadrants, a really good way for the whole market to consistently assess strategies around transition. So that would be the first one. The second one is when we look at bonds in the hard-to-abate sectors, as I mentioned, you know, steel, aluminium, those type of things, we'll generally apply that as a consistent way to tell the market what we think about the transition strategy of a company, which is really important for linked instruments as well in the harder to abate sectors as a lot of those KPIs are more company-wide and 
a company is looking to shift and an important consideration to the overall credibility and strategy and how KPIs will be met is really how a customer is shifting their business over time. The third area that I'd say is a little bit selective, but more best market practice is where we see linked loan transactions in the harder to abate sectors as well. Sometimes in green transactions, a customer may request this, we can do it. On a linked transaction loan market, I guess it's still ICMA slash bond territory that we do and can apply it, although we probably wouldn't insist for that on a, on a loan, but we certainly see customers asking us to do that. So hopefully that answers the question. The last point I would make on that for Sabrina and listeners as well is that um, we can actually do standalone assessments for a customer on their transition strategy through an assessment being guided by the Climate Transition Finance Handbook. So we see that we'll get requested to do that a little bit more from a variety of issuers and borrowers, even supporting conventional type financing and uh, and communication of, of strategies as well. So hopefully that answers the questions. And yeah, two super good ones this month. Very good. All right. So I guess moving along in the um, in the podcast. So what about the more traditional part of the market, um, Sabrina? I guess as we know, green bonds continue to anchor the market. A little bit of volatility in the markets at the moment. What have we seen over the last few weeks from the pure green perspective? Yep. So we have seen issuances from sovereigns and various sectors this month. And to be honest, this month, Germany, Germany is booming in, in, into the market. So Germany, they issued a green bond tab. And we also see two other German sub-sovereign, North Rhine-Westphalia on its first green bond issuance of 2022 and Baden-Württemberg on its second green bond. And European Union also issued a green bond to finance the next generation EU recovery program, which focuses to support economic recovery because of the coronavirus pandemic. Moving on, we also see Liberia. They are a new member joining the Green Bond Club. So we're quite happy to see some new sovereigns um, issuing green. And one of the use of proceeds is that they would allow the country to generate funds to maintain and protect checks of forest reserves, which I find really interesting. The other one we've seen in the market this month was on Qatar. They announced that they are committed to issue green bonds and Quite happy to see more sustainable finance issuances in the Middle East. So on the APAC side, Singapore government published their green bond framework for upcoming inaugural sovereign green bond issuance to facilitate the transition of Singapore to a low carbon economy. And finally, on the sovereign side, we see China Interbank issued a transition bond and some of the use of proceeds will be used to fund cleaner coal production, application of green technology, and also the use of clean energy. So moving on to the financial institution side and banking side, we've seen repeated issuers such as ICBC, BPI, France, Commerce Bank, German Development Bank, KFW, Rifusen Bank, Romania, an Italian insurance name Generali, and ICO in Spain. They are issuing in the market again. But we also see some debut issuances this month on the banking side. So BCP, a Peruvian bank, issued its first international green bond with the deal entirely invested in the Amundi Planet Emerging Green One Fund. And Portugal's state-owned bank CGD also issued their first green bond. 
IFAD, International Fund for Agriculture Development, also issued one with use of proceeds focusing on the agricultural sector. BNI in Indonesia, BDO, Unibank also had their debut issuances last month. China-backed Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, AIIB, also had their first Panda Sustainability Bond issuance. We also see Symbiotics, based in Switzerland, issuing green bond to finance household solar technology in Africa and Asia. And finally, on the financial institution side, Trade and Development Bank of Mongolia published a framework on their potential issuance of green social bonds. On the renewable sector side, we see issuance from Capco, based in South Korea, and Viva, based in the U.S., Taiwan Power, based in Taiwan, have issued green bonds this month. Sun King also secured funding from the green bond issued by Symbiotics mentioned earlier. And we also see TransPower New Zealand issuing their debut green bond. And one of the interesting issuance on the renewable sector this month is Orsted, based in Denmark, and they're the largest energy company in Denmark. They have raised yet another green bond. And according to environmental finance data, Ostad has raised more than $6.8 million from green bonds since its first debut in 2017. So let's move on to the property sector. So in the APAC region, let's focus in Hong Kong and China first. Although we're seeing some liquidity squeeze in the region, we're still seeing some issuances. So CZEN, based in Shanghai, and newer development in Hong Kong issued in the market in June. And in other parts of Asia, Central Patana, based in Thailand, and Vincenity Centers, based in Australia, both had their green bond debut. Some other global property names, such as MAF based in the Middle East, Prologus in the U.S., Riksham in Sweden also issued in June. Moving on to some telco names. Telefonica in Spain issued last month, as well as Equinix issued in investing data centers in Mumbai. For autos, Geely Automobile in China, as well as Volkswagen, also had their sustainability issuances, and both of their second-party opinions are provided by um, Sustainalytics. HP, the computer company, also issued a sustainability bond shortly after securing a sustainability-linked loan. And another transport and logistics service named VR Group, based in Sweden, also raises its first green bond. We also see some bigger conglomerate names and some other interesting frameworks we see publishing in the market, but yet to have any issuances. One of them we see is the Swedish metal mining and refining company, Boladen. They publish their green finance framework. We also see Cavestro, a polymer supplier based in Germany, publishing their green bond framework. So we definitely want to see more innovation um, and sustainable finance market participation in this industry. And in Japan, we see Kwasaki Heavy Industry, an industrial conglomerate. They're also planning to issue another green bond a year after its debut on its sustainability bond. And finally, on the APEC region, Mengnyo Dairy, based in China, published their framework. So we hope to see more agri-names for sourcing organic foods and drink in this market.
So yeah, that's about it. What's going on in the green bond market last month? So Nick, do we see any growth in green loans or is it only majorly bonds? Yeah, it's a good question. It's always harder to get some information on the loan market versus the bond market because it's not as widely uh, publicized and and uh, and released. But yeah, we did. Probably not as big as the action on the on the bond market, but a couple of th- thematics there. Again, property being a really key part of that green loan space and, and plenty of loans are getting refinanced and done. Um, Intervest, Qatari, DR, Nippon Building, GIC, Chifley Tower, a number of property deals. We even saw Scape Living doing a green loan for student accommodation in the UK. So that's a bit of a theme we continue to see in the green loan space around property. There was, just on the loan side, the first blue loan. So I've seen blue bonds and now seeing blue loans. Again, use of proceeds instruments focused on maritime-related use of proceeds and ocean-related use of proceeds. We saw DBS issue Taiwan's first blue loan offered, or I should say working with polyester and textiles producer Far East, Far Eastern New Century Corp. That's a bit of a tongue twister there. So good to see Taiwan activating some different styles of transactions and becoming a bit more active in that market. A couple of the interesting other sectors, textile manufacturer Gap project in Italy doing a smaller style of green loan, but on the machinery side of things. We also saw a biotech company, Aquaculture. Sorry, um, Benchmark is the name, and aquaculture is the uh, is the area. I was going to say that would be an odd, um, an odd, an odd company name to to be called. So apologies there, but um, yeah, biotech um, Benchmark doing something there, and a little bit I believe more on the R and D side. So that's a that's a very interesting area to to finance in the R and D space. And the final one was Nesty. I nearly said Nestle, but Nesty on the sustainable aviation fuel side. And I think they've gone to market in a few different formats. And as the demand for sustainable aviation fuel grows with aviation-related companies looking to decarbonize, I guess they're probably going to come to market a lot more times. So nice to see a bit more outside of the property sector in the green loan space. So, Sabrina, what about the, what shall we say, the social bond and loan sort of use of proceeds world? Given that huge list of LinkedIn green, was there actually any time for social issuance over, over the month? <laughs> yeah, so of course. Um, I can mention a few names that we find really notable that has been um, issued in the market this month. So a German personal loan firm, Ox Money, they issued their second asset-backed social bond after issuing its first one in less than a year. And also Pepper Money, a non-bank financial institution in Australia, had their debut social bond, which focuses on financing loans to underserved consumers. And also we see Basel City in Switzerland. They issued their first domestic social bond. And finally, in New York City, Housing Development Corporation, they issued a social bond on sustainable housing. So I think key message from all these social bonds issuances is that all of the bonds and use of proceeds that they outlined in their framework, they actually have a very well-defined target population. So to make sure that the funds being raised are actually dedicated to specific underprivileged or underserved um, populations. So I'm aware of time. So Nick, let's jump to our last segment of the day. So other than issuances and opportunities we've mentioned just now, are there any other labeled products, transitions, and also regulations that are noteworthy for this month? 
Absolutely. There's a few uh, few different things to highlight. We'll sort of roll this in together. So in terms of the labelled products, I'd say a little bit more the more the same in terms of some home loans for green and having some some discounts there, loans to SMEs on the green side, a little bit more on the guarantee side. Again, some of those being labelled as green can be challenging for performance guarantees and those sorts of things. We saw a little bit um, of action from BNP and, and Citigroup in parts of the Middle East looking at sustainable uh, supply chain. So I think we're going to see a lot more linked deals. Maybe use of proceeds, probably more linked, connected to different styles of trade finance. A little bit more on um, some sukuks, which are Islamic instruments, again, for the Middle East and Malaysia. And we also saw a really um, good development, too, from one of the Thai banks looking at a program for LGTBQ in terms of loans specifically provided for for that target segment or, or target population. So some, some pretty interesting developments there. On the transition side, not as many transactions we can spot at the moment. Again, a lot of the transition sort of space is being eaten up, if you like, by that linked sort of segment and hard to abate sectors coming to market in more linked formats, but we're going to see more use of proceeds definitely over time in that more, say, pure sense of of transition. So there's a few articles that I've spotted about, you know, FIs getting ready for transitioning customers and how they can support them, the energy transition in Asia and what that means for, for a financing, just transition. There was a really good article brought out by the World Economic Forum. So check that out. We know that if we're not looking at the social dimensions of transition, we're only looking at half the story. Decarbonisation is key. Biodiversity on one side, social on the other. We all need to be looking at these things in unison. What else have we got? Lots of talk about um, China and them wanting to support transition. And then a little bit more on hydrogen, which is one of my favourite topics, and having clusters and hubs to make that more sustainable. We know that electrification of some industries won't generate the heat that's needed to support many industrial processes. So hydrogen is a a great carrier of energy and can be produced from renewable energy using electrolysis, which is always a bit of a tongue twister, that word. So good to see more articles about how can we scale hydrogen and really much more specific on that. So yeah, a couple of things there. And then finally, I guess on the countries and regulation, we've already talked about, I guess, the EU taxonomy, gas, nuclear, We've talked about the EU green bond standard that might come out soonish. let's say. We've talked about the SEC and their push for greater disclosures and, and, and obviously a, a huge market. In addition to that, a little bit of a snapshot in terms of countries. ASEAN continues to be pretty busy in, in terms of label products and really pushing their economies to decarbonise and sustainable finance obviously supports that. Articles about Vietnam, about Cambodia, actually, um, about the Philippines. So good to see those markets getting active and, and growing their conversations connected to sustainable finance. Lots of articles about China, transition, what China's doing, what it isn't doing, growing climate activism and getting serious um, in Australia post-government change. So hopefully that translates into more specific regulations, taxonomy, support, and we can see sustainable finance grow in the Australian market. A little bit from Germany about green hydrogen and, and supporting those type of things. And then Japan coming out with some ongoing regulations or discussion pieces about ESG risk ratings, greenwashing and those sorts of things. As we know, Japan is a massive market. So the regulator is pretty progressive in terms of what they're looking to do there. So 
Goodness gracious, lots um, lots going on, um, Sabrina. Yeah. We could probably have a three-hour podcast at the moment, but we hope that that has, has served as a as a good curation of, of what's yeah. happened in the last few weeks. Yeah, thank you so much for the roundup, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time. <laughs>